Chapter Fourteen of the Straighten Street Affair by William Lequeux. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tom Weiss. Chapter the Fourteenth, The Gate of the Sun. The spring morning was gray and rather threatening as I left the Hotel de la Pikes in Madrid and walked from the Puerto del Sol past the smart shops in the Cairo de San Geran et Mo and across the broad handsome Plaza de Canovas in order to meet Hambleton at a point which he had indicated in the Retiro Park. Late on the previous night I had arrived in the Spanish capital, and while Hambleton was at the Palace Hotel in the Plaza de Canovas I had gone to the Pikes in the Puerta del Sol. I had been in Madrid only once before in my life, and as I walked through the gay thoroughfares I recalled that proud saying of the Madelenos de madrid al cielo e en el cielo un ventalio para ver a madrid from madrid to heaven and in heaven a loophole to look at madrid the spanish capital to-day is indeed a very fine city full of life of movement and of post-war prosperity crossing the Pavarado, where the trees were already in full leaf i took that straight broad way which led past the royal academy and again crossing the calle de Afonso twelve came to the alcahofa fountain the fountain of the artichoke near which i waited for the coming of my friend i stood there upon ground that was historic and as i gazed around upon that sylvan scene i wondered what would be the result of our long journey from rivermead mansions that beautiful park which in the seventeenth century had been laid out with such taste by the conde duque de alabaras the favorite of philip the fourth had been the scene of innumerable festivals which swallowed millions of money and gave rise to many biting pasquinas and coplas to-day it is the hyde park of spanish society there all the latest paris fashions are seen at the hour of the promenade and everybody who is anybody in spain must be seen walking or riding along its picturesque paths i had not long to wait for hamilton for after a few moments his familiar sturdy figure came into sight well hughie he exclaimed as we sank upon a seat together there's some deep game being played here i'm certain what game i asked quickly ah i can't yet make it out he replied but i'll tell you what's occurred suzot on arrival went to the ritz where he has a private suite and after i had watched him safely there i took up my quarters at the palace on the other side of the square and started to keep a watch upon our friend I got the concierge at the Ritz to do something for me for which I paid him generously so as to pave the way for information concerning Suzot in case we may want it. Good, I said. There's nothing like making friends with the concierge. He knows everything about the visitors to his hotel and about their friends also. Well, on the first day Suzot did not go out at all, but on the second morning at about eleven o'clock he came forth very smartly dressed and strolling along the Calais de Ecala turned into the grand cafe where an elderly lady dressed in black was awaiting him she was spanish without a doubt he greeted her with studied courtesy and then sat down opposite her at the little table and ordered aperitifs they conversed in low earnest tones she seemed to be questioning him while he gave rather hesitating replies it seemed to me that he had come to madrid in order to meet her therefore when after about half an hour they parted i followed the lady she took a cab and drove to the north station, where she took a ticket for Segovia, which I found was about sixty miles from here. I, of course, entered another compartment of the train, 
and in about three hours we reached our destination. At the station she was met by a handsome young girl, who began to ply her with questions to which the elder woman replied in monosyllables as the pair ascended the pretty tree-lined boulevard that led into the picturesque town perched as it is upon a rock between two streams. Halfway up the Paseo, just prior to entering the ancient city so full of antiquities, the two ladies went in the gates of a large white house, evidently the residence of someone of importance. Unseen, I watched the door as it was opened by a manservant who bowed to them as he admitted them. Afterwards I passed into that most venerable city of Castile where I found a hotel called the Europeo where I ordered a meal. The waiter spoke broken English, and when I described the big white house in the Paseo Esquil Gonzales and inquired who lived there, he replied that it was the Condesa de Chamontine with her niece, Señorita Carmen Flores. The countess was the widow of an immensely wealthy Spaniard who had died leaving most of his money away from his wife. There were rumors afloat both in Segovia and in Madrid, where he had had a fine house, that the widow was now in quite poor circumstances. Yet the Conde de Charmentine had been one of the richest men in Spain. Then I came back and telegraphed you in Paris. What has Zuzo done since? Practically nothing. He hardly ever goes out in the daytime, which shows me that he is no stranger in Madrid. Yet almost every evening after dinner he goes alone to one or other of the theatres or to the variety show at the Trianon. Last night he was at Il Trovatore at the Teatro Real. Alone? Always alone. Then why has he come here to Madrid, I wondered, in order to meet the Condesa de Chamontine? But he has already met her. She came from Segovia to keep that appointment, hence one would think he would have returned to Paris by this time. We can only watch, Hamilton replied. I will continue my surveillance, but you had better be seen about as little as possible. He might meet and recognize you. Should I discover anything, or should I want to see you, I will either telephone to you at your hotel, or we will meet again at this spot. Thus it was arranged, and half an hour later we parted. I walked back to my hotel, my thoughts occupied by the beautiful girl who had suddenly so possessed me. Before me, by day and by night, rose visions of the lovely countenance of that strange bewildered expression which was so pathetic and so mysterious. I recollected her sweet smiles when we had talked in her mother's drawing-room in Longridge Road, and I knew that my admiration had already ripened into love. But it was all so mysterious so incredible indeed that I hardly dared reflect upon those amazing events of the immediate past. The name of the great financier, de Gex, was one to conjure with all over Europe. Since my night's adventure in Straton Street I had learnt much concerning him. His nationality was obscure. He posed as an Englishman, but at the same time he was a Frenchman, an Italian, and a Greek. His financial tentacles were spread throughout Europe fabulously wealthy, he held a controlling interest in a number of banks and great industrial concerns, and it was said that he knew the capitals of the world as a milkman knows the streets of his particular suburb. Behind the smoke clouds of great events his intriguing figure followed unseen, unheralded, influencing dynasties through his secretaries and agents, one of whom was prime minister of a foreign kingdom, and financing bankrupt states now and then he emerged from the retirement of la villa clementini and would go to paris brussels or rome 
and there entertain most lavishly ministers and aristocrats of various nations, and frequently give them presents at the dinner-table. One man declared to me that Oswald de Gex was the friend of mighty persons and the moulder of mighty events. He was a man of mystery who quietly and in secret juggled the destinies of nations in his gilded fingers. Wherever money has the power to speak, there Oswald de Gex would be found smiling an inscrutable mysterious smile, but always the center of intrigue and adventure. To outwit and expose such a man I was determined. Back in the hotel I stood at the window of my room, gazing out across the busy plaza of the fine Ministerio de la Gobernación with its great clock upon the façade. The gateway of the rising sun is ever a scene of animation, and the more so on a fiesta, which it happened to be that day. I stood there looking blankly out upon the center of Madrid life. It was irksome to be compelled to remain in the hotel during the daytime for fear of recognition by the man Suzeau. Why had he held that secret meeting with the widow of the wealthy Count Charmentine? Hamilton had certainly acted with discretion and promptitude in following the lady in black to her home in Segovia. Could the Frenchman's visit to Madrid be in any way connected with the affair at Straten Street? A new and highly interesting feature had arisen in the fact, which I had only recently discovered, that Suzeau had apparently travelled with me from York to London on that well-remembered afternoon with some set and distinct purpose. He had been most affable, and he had told me all about himself, a story which I now knew to be fictitious. In return I suppose I had told him something about myself, but the exact conversation had long ago escaped my memory. I had had no suspicion that the man who had posed as an important official of one of the best-known of French banking corporations was in any way associated with the mysterious Oswald de Gex until I had seen him meet in secret the girl with whom I had fallen so violently in love. I tried to analyze my feelings towards Gabrielle Tennyson, but failed utterly. I loved her, and loving her so well, I now set my whole soul upon elucidating the mystery. Truly the problem was most puzzling, presenting further complications at every turn. Through the day I idled about the big hotel, occupying my time in writing letters and reading the papers. The café below in the late afternoon was crowded, for on the day of a fiesta Madrid is always agog with life and movement. When night fell and I ate my solitary dinner in the big restaurant, where I specially ordered an olla with gabanos, a dish so dear to the Spanish palate, and which cannot be procured beyond the confines of King Alfonso's kingdom. The waiter aided me, of course, and he smiled contentedly when I gave him his propina. Around me there dined as smart a set of people as those who frequented the Carlton in London, and perhaps the toilettes were even more elaborate. In certain feminine details the West End can be eclipsed both by modern Madrid and Bucharest, while Paris remains where she has ever been, the inventor of feminine fashion and the alluring city of light. In Madrid today one has all the pre-war prosperity combined with post-war extravagance. The latest mode of the Rue de la Pikes is seen at the Ritz in Madrid almost before it is seen at Armandville, and it becomes only second-hand when it is filtered through Dover Street or Petticoat Lane as that thoroughfare is turned by truculent London bachelors. 
after dinner i spent an hour at the gay cafe iberia in the carrera de seheranimo and returned early to the hotel as i entered the concierge met me with a note it was from harry hamilton written an hour before urging me to meet him at the gato negro cafe the black cat in the calle del principe i lost no time in keeping the appointment and on meeting my friend he whispered excitedly suzot has a visitor he arrived at the ritz at six o'clock and they have dined together he is a well-dressed man of between forty and fifty rather sallow-faced and has given his name at the hotel as henri thibon rentier of bordeaux aged nearly fifty sallow i echoed are his features of a rather oriental cast a dark handsome man with deep-set eyes and a dimple in the centre of his chin i asked eagerly yes that just describes him de gex i gasped then he is here after dinner they went out to the trianon they are there now then we will watch them return to the ritz i said we spent an hour together in the cafe after which we rose and walked through the well-lit streets and along beneath the trees of the prado until we came to the great plaza where opposite the neptune fountain the fine hotel stands back behind its gardens we both halted against the colossal fountain the waters of which were splashing into the great basin and found that from where we were standing we had a good view of the entrance to the hotel that the theatres were over was proved by the number of cars and taxis that were depositing people in evening dress who had come to the ritz to supper hence we had not long to wait before we distinguished suzot and his companion both in dinner jackets strolling on foot across the plaza from the calle de cervantes in the direction of the hotel in an instant i recognized the form of the mysterious owner of the house in straton street yes i cried i'm not mistaken but why is he here under the name of tibon without a doubt he is known in madrid why should he seek to conceal his identity we are here to discover the motive of his journey from italy according to his passport he arrived from my room but if he had come directly from italy he would have come from the south from barcelona most probably he has a house in paris no doubt he has followed his friend suzot from there it will be interesting to watch as i spoke the pair passed up the steps of the hotel and were lost to sight therefore we turned and retraced our steps along the terra de san geronimo to my hotel where for an hour hambledon sat in my room discussing the situation he suggested that he should move from the palace hotel to the ritz which was only just opposite at first it seemed a good idea but on reflection i did not agree because i feared lest he might be recognized by suzot de gex of course would not know him but with suzot the danger of recognition was always great if either realized that they were being watched all chances of solving the problem would instantly disappear only by secret and patient watchfulness could we discover the motive of that amazing affair near park lane and again the truth of what actually occurred on that fateful november night there is no doubt some further devil's game is in progress here i declared as harry sat upon my bed smoking a cigarette while i stretched in an easy chair and it is up for us to discover what it is and whether it has any bearing upon the plot against poor gabrielle tennyson yes agreed hambledon we must watch all their actions for it is now evident that this fellow suzot is deeply implicated in the conspiracy whatever its nature end of chapter fourteen recording by tom weiss toms audiobooks dot com